him. We're told in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are, ki- for they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we began last week talking about the importance of being spirit-led, that we have a body, we have a flesh, we have our intellect and our, and our soul, but it is our spirit that we need to be led by. And out of the three, out of our body, our soul, and our spirit, only one leads to life. Only one of those things within us leads to life. If we live by our flesh, it leads to death. If we live by our own intellect and our own knowledge, it'll lead to death. And so we want to be focused on living for the Lord spiritually, allowing the Spirit of God to lead us in our lives. And today, to be spiritually healthy, we must be connected to God. To be spiritually healthy, we must be connected to God. And so, being connected to God is relational. Is relational. I think one of the biggest mistakes that religion has done in the world is we made it contractual. That it's a contract between God and us. No, the contract has been paid. The contract was paid on the cross. We no longer under that contract. We call that contract the law, and the law breaks us, and the law shows us our sin. We are in a relationship to God. And just like any relationship, it's about commitment. It's about time and energy and effort spent with that person. And so, before we look into God's word, I want you to think about who are the people in your life that affected you the most. I was told our youth programs, I was a youth pastor, you are who you hang out with. You are who you hang out with. And then also it says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good morals or good character. And I, am, I can tell you in my life, some of the major things I've done that I, that I regret, it's because of peer pressure, because of people in my life. And I think back uh, when I was in college, I had a roommate named Tyler Phillips. He was from Johnson City, Tennessee. He was a big old guy. He played golf for Liberty University, and he was a fun guy to be around. He was always telling jokes. We used to say the only way we know that Tyler's telling the truth is if he is kind of joking around, because every time he's serious, we know he's not telling the truth. And so he's one of these guys that it was fun to be around, but he was bad company, and he was going to corrupt your character. And I can remember, there's lots of stories, I'm not going to share them all, but there's one I remember. Uh, Friday nights was the time to socialize, and so there was, um, uh, in a town next to us, Roanoke, there was a, a hockey arena, and they would have hockey games there. And Tyler had a truck, and he would drive, he drove me and some other people down to the hockey game there in Roanoke, and we're on our way. I said, is it going to cost to get in? He's like, yeah, it costs about 10 bucks to get in. And I'm like, well, I don't have any money. And he said, well, I don't have any money either. I said, well, how are we going to get in? And so we, it's, it's about 45 minutes to an hour drive from Lynchburg, and we got there, and we got to the arena, and he said, I got it worked out. I have a friend who's going to distract the guy that collects the money at the door, and when he's distracting him, we're going to rush in, and it'll be fine. All right? Have you had a friend like this? Not good character. Bad, bad character leads you to bad, your bad character. And so we got there, and his friend distracted the guy, and he ran in. And I had a question. I had to ask myself, am I going to sit out here in the cold in this truck for two and a half hours waiting for him to come back out, or am I going to go in and follow him in? And so in that moment, uh, bad company corrupted my good character, and I ran in there. And I tell you, that was the most miserable experience I ever had. 
Because they had a guy, his job was to walk around, because when you paid, you got a little wristband. His job was to come around and make sure you had that wristband. And so we had to figure out where that guy was all the time and move accordingly every time he got close to us. Do you know how stressful that is? But the sad thing is, and I remember that, I look back at that, how many of the, the, the poor choices we've made in life, how many of them is because we hung out with the wrong person and we allowed them, and being around someone for so long, it influenced us in a way that now we pay for it. Some of us have friends in high school or in college or in our first job that we did things with them that are still affecting us today, still having negative effects on our lives today, still having negative effects on our relationships today. That's why this is so important and so valuable. So I would say, who are you hanging out with? It doesn't matter if you're a teenager or what age you are, we're still very much affected by the people and where we put our time and attention has a major impact on our lives. And so we're going to look to God's word to see what he says about it, and we're going to precede it with prayer. So if you'd pray with me, please. Father God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy, Lord, of all that we are, and we are thankful that we get to serve you. And so, Lord, we ask that your name would be lifted up, that you would draw us closer to you today. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would protect our thoughts, you would protect our minds, you would protect our emotions as we dive into this subject of, of who we hang out with and where we invest our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that your spirit would speak to our spirit, that your Holy Spirit that lives in us, those that know you, that you would reveal new things to us, that you would challenge us and grow us and help us to become what you want us to be. I'm so thankful for your love. I'm so thankful for your patience with all of us. Lord, give us grace right now as we look to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to be looking at the book of John. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, John 13. Um, Now John, we know, was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He was there for much of the major events of Jesus' life. And so he has probably, as an eyewitness, one of the best accounts of what Jesus had to say and what Jesus did. And he was, he was a very confident person because in his book he says that uh, John is the one that Jesus loved. He's the disciple that Jesus, he wrote that. He said, that guy John, me, is the one that Jesus loved. So he was confident about his relationship with Jesus. And so we can look at this and understand that God breathed this into John And he wanted the people of his time to know it and the people of our time to know exactly what God expects, what God has to say to us today. So we can trust it. It is true. It is worthy of investing our lives in. It is worthy of living out. And so we're looking at John chapter 13, verse 5. Here's what it says. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And so to paraphrase, I would say quality time with Christ produces fruit. Quality time with Christ produces fruit. What kind of fruit does it produce? It produces what we're told in Galatians 5.22. It produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this word that is so important that we see in this verse is that if we remain in him and he remains in us, how does that happen? How do I remain in the Lord? How do you remain with the Lord today? And I believe this is where we get mistaken in religion where it comes back to a contract. Well, I came to church and, you know, I I gave a tithe and, and, you know, I know my Bible 
pretty well. And we kind of put this as, okay, here's my, my pay that I'm paying God with, and, and that's good enough. But I think we would all recognize in any of our relationships, if we treated another relationship with that way, we would not think it is healthy. If you're in a marriage relationship and you said, well, I spent an hour with you, and I, and I bought you that gift on Valentine's Day, isn't that enough? How would that work out? Right? See, the heart of it is, the heart of it is, you can do the right thing with, without any intent. Right? You can, you can be, you can know Christ, you can know about Christ, you can know about his word, but if you're not pursuing it and saying, I, this is who I am and this is what I want to be and I want to be connected to this vine and, and me being connected to this vine is my entire life and me being connected to Christ, the more I'm around Christ, the more I become like Christ. You know, it's, it's amazing to me, and, and I just found out today um, that Kitten and Dale's anniversary, 33 years of marriage, we should celebrate that, praise God. And, and 33 years of marriage, you sit apart like this. Now. <laughs> but you know, all of us know this. If you've been in a relationship long enough, you become, you start saying similar things to the person you're with. You begin to act, you begin to have the same views on things. The longer you're with someone, the more you become like them. And the years go by, and, and I know some of you are like, I hope not. <laughs> But it's true. It's part of how God created us. And, you know, I watch teenagers. I watch 13 and 14 and 15-year-olds, and I see that they become like the groups. They, they get a name for their group, and they all become very similar. They say, we're so unique. But no, you're not. You're just like this group over here. Because that's how we were created. We were created to become like the people we let into our hearts. We were created to become like the people that we invest our time and energy and effort into. We become like the people that we allow into our lives. And Jesus is saying... The most important person to allow into your life is me. You need to spend time with me. You need to get to know me. Because I am the vine and you are the branches. You need to abide in me. If you abide in me, you will grow and become like me. If you abide in me, you will become what I created you to be. And this is so severe because as we read on, John 13, uh, 5 says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I want to make a bold statement here. A godless life produces nothing of eternal significance. Did you know that? Do you believe that? A godless life produces nothing of eternal significance. When Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, that means the person that is the most successful person in their area of business, their area of life, all that they've achieved in life, it is nothing. It has, no spirit, it has no eternal significance. Do we recognize that all that we see, all the things we're impressed by, all the things that we look around and say, wow, that's amazing, that's overwhelming, that person's so successful, or this is so successful, do you know that that's just hay and stubble, that it'll be blown away, it'll be chaff, it'll be nothing at one time? That every award will be forgotten, every victory will be forgotten, every civilization will be forgotten. In time. Because apart from God, before, apart from Christ, it's nothing. That is the statement that Jesus, that's the statement we have to wrestle with. That's the statement we have to come to and say, do I believe this? Is this true? Will I, will I commit my life to this teaching? That apart from Christ, it is nothing. Meaning all the things that you've thought about in your life, all the things that you've pursued, maybe you're pursuing now, apart from Christ are nothing. Do you believe that? 
Is that true? Because I believe to follow Christ is to follow his teachings and to follow his statements. And this is a powerful statement that he has made to us. He continues in John 13, 6. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. I believe the only life not worth living is a godless life. The only life not worth living is a godless life. Do you know what the beauty of that statement is? Everyone can have a Godful life. There's not a person on the planet. You look at your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, the people in your life that you're burdened for, the people in your life that you see are struggling right now, they can be God-filled. Do you believe that? They can live God-full lives. They, can, they are vessels that can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and God can do great things with and through them. If they connect to the vine, just like you connecting to the vine, they connect to the power and purpose of life. He is the vine, we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. He will take those things that everyone think, thinks are great, all the things the world says are wonderful, and, and they'll just be gathered together and burned as if they never even happened. And so he's wanting us to focus. Our spirit, our spirit must be focused on him. And it's a conscious effort that we do every day of our lives. Continues on in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So you have to remain in him. See, here's the challenge I find in myself and and people that I counsel. Many of us remain in the past. I I think of it as we look at the rearview mirror and we're watching. Oh, if only things were like the way they were a long time ago. If only things were like they were when I was younger. Or or you look in the rearview mirror and say, my whole life is, is ruined because what happened in the past. Everything is destroyed because of what happened in the past. And there's a lot of people that that's where they're remaining. That's where they live. That's where they dwell. The whole day, whether they're at work, whether they're at home, they're living, their focus, where they are remaining is in the past. There are those of us that struggle. We're in the present and we're disappointed and we're looking around and we're focused on all the things we don't have and all the things that aren't right and all the things that don't satisfy and we're living in the present, but we're we're unhappy or, or we're constantly looking for more. And then there's those who are looking to the future and and they're thinking, oh, the future is miserable or the future is wonderful, but they're in the future. There's a problem with all three of these perspectives and living in them and dwelling in them and allowing yourself to remain in them is that none of them go anywhere. None of them have life and none of them go anywhere. If I focus on the past, I can't change it. If I'm concerned with the present, I can't do much about it as well. If I look to the future, it hasn't even happened yet. But if I remain in the Lord, if I commit myself every day to live in that relationship, to make that my priority, to make that the number one thing in my life, if I remain in that, then the past is settled, the present is set, and the future is already won. How do you remain then? What does it mean to remain in him? What does it mean to remain in him? Here's what I would encourage you with. What would it mean to be your friend? What would it mean to love you? We know this intrinsically. We know this in our hearts, what it means to be loved. 
It means someone takes the time to get to know our thoughts, takes the time to get to know our likes and dislikes, takes the time to spend time with us, takes the time um, to encourage us, whether it's gifts, whether it's trips, whether it's uh, whatever it is. They find out what we like and, and they encourage us with us and they know the right words to say to us and, and they walk alongside us. We know how to be loved. We know what we want. Everyone does. It's the biggest problem in the world. We all know how we want to be treated, and nobody feels like they're being treated that way. But God says, that's what I want from you. I want you to get to know me. I want you to read my words. I want you to get to know my likes and my dislikes. I want you to get to know how much I love you. I want you to follow me and be in a relationship knowing I am your heavenly father. I'm your heavenly father that loves you desperately who died for you and desires to give you grace so you can share that grace with others. It's not a contract. You're not making a contract with God. You're living in a relationship with God. And if you ignore someone except for one hour on Sunday, that's not a very good relationship. And if you only talk about or engage in thoughts about that person when you're forced to, that's not a very good relationship. You see, he wants us to be in relationship with him. And what happens when you're in relationship with him? You become like him. You become like him. And you begin to, you, all of a sudden, you have a peace you never had before. You have a joy you never had before. You have a graciousness you never had before. He changes your words. He changes your thoughts. He changes your opinion about the world. Because his Holy Spirit is beginning to mold you and shape you. Because you're saying you're worth everything to me. You're worth everything to me. How do I know this? Because the very next verse says, this is, my, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Quality time with Christ is extremely fruitful in your life. Quality time with Christ is extremely fruitful. You know, I know what it's like to read the Bible and not think about what I'm reading. I've read the Bible and thought, I don't know what I just read at all. I know what it's like to read the Bible because I was told to read the Bible at a certain time and make sure you get it done so you can check it off. I know what it's like to be set aside in a corner and say, hey, we're all going to pray right now. You've got to pray for the next 10, 15 minutes. You know what I was thinking about? Football. What I was going to have for lunch. This is something that has to be stirred from within. It has to be something that you have set your heart on. It has to be something that I'm gonna, I am going to focus my mind and I'm going to ask questions and God, please show yourself to me. And as I live out the day, God, how do you want me to relate to this person? How should I engage here? How should I do this? How should I do that? Did I do that right? Did I do that wrong? Holy Spirit, train me and teach me. I am yours. I am your vessel. Yes, I mess up. Yes, you mess up. And we let, our, we let our flesh lead, and then we have to come back and say sorry and ask for forgiveness. And, but the Holy Spirit grows us through all of that. But it's an abiding. It's a wanting to be with. You don't love someone you don't ever want to be around them. And we're told the two greatest things we can do in this life is love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
I don't think you can love your neighbor until you learn to love God. And I don't think you can love God until you make him the number one. Until you stop thinking that this over here is going to satisfy me. This is going to make me happy. This is better than God. Because that's, that's really the option. Either the world has something better to offer, because that's kind of how we live, or this is true and right, and I'm going to give everything to it. And so when he says we are, he is the vine and we are the branches, he wants us to abide in him. He's not asking us to do and do not this. He's asking us to be with him. He'll do the do's through you. He just wants you to be there. He looked at Abraham and he said he accredited his faith as righteousness because he was with him and he talked to him. Moses talked to God. Um, Jacob talked to God. All of these are in a relationship. It's amazing as you read the whole Bible how close these relationships were. That it was, I'm talking to you, you're talking to me. We're engaging, we're doing life together. And that's what he offers you. And, and he doesn't just offer you this. He offers everyone in your life. You know what the solution is to the addictions and the problems of the people you love? Is they need to learn to abide in Christ. And they might not, it might not get rid of the addiction, but in the addiction, God can help them through it. And they're only going to see that in us. And it's, not, it's every area of our life. Whatever it is, if we want to truly love the people around us, we need to learn to abide in Christ first. And then encourage them and train them on how to abide in Christ. That's the answer. That's the world's answer. That's the answer the world needs so desperately. So how do we do this? To be spiritually healthy, we must be connected to God. How can we be connected to God? Here's how we apply this to our lives. First, I would say connect to God daily. Don't connect to God just on Sunday. Connect to God daily. I would encourage you, the first thought in your mind is, Good morning, Father. Good morning, Lord. Help me today. I'm yours. I would say commit to being at a worship service with other believers on a regular basis. Make it a priority. Make a priority of a daily devotional time where you're praying and studying God's word and, and learning and not being stagnant in that. Doing things that are exciting for you. Doing things that encourage you. Doing things that motivate you. Finding new ways to do those things. Just like you would in any relationship. Every relationship needs effort and energy to make it new and make it fresh. And the same with the Lord. Every day, something new, trying to reach into uh, that relationship deeply. Number two, connect to each other weekly. We need each other. We need this time. We need to sing together. We need to, we need to go to a Bible study, and I need to hear how God's speaking to you, and you need to hear how God's speaking to me, and I need to know how to pray for you, and you need to know how to pray for me. We are, this is like the veins in a body. If we're not connected, the blood's not getting there. And so we need to see each other, and you need to see my face. I need to see your face. We need to be able to say, how are things going? I was thinking about you this week. How is this in your life happening? What's going on? We need to commit to that. We need to make that a priority. The things of the world cannot over, uh, be over-prioritized to the things of God. What happens in these connections that we have weekly? We have spiritual growth, and we have that in groups. So there's Sunday school or Wednesday night. We have a men's group on Saturday where we're going to meet together and be praying for each other, be on mission together. We have youth group at, on Sunday nights. We have a woman's ministry that's going to meet on the second Tuesday of the month. There are places for you to connect. 
connecting and building those deep relationships is how you stay in the relationship, being part of the the branch, being the branch that's part of the vine. Third, connect to your community monthly. We have a food pantry. Great opportunity for you to serve. Bring in something for the food pantry. We have awesome, committed servants of the Lord that are here during the week to make sure that people get food that need it. Child Evangelism Fellowship, we just watched a video on that. Here's a way. There's so many, God has so many doors that are open for us. We just got to walk through them. We got to say, this is more important to me than that. This is more important to me than all of these fleshly, temporary things that have no eternal value. This is more important. Because it's not what we say we believe, it's what we live out, is what we truly believe. African Missions for Christ. You know how awesome it was to be here on that Tuesday and watch a video of two, three hundred Muslims sitting there listening to the gospel presentation. And then not even that, just them getting up and taking clothes and the computers and all these things that they so desperately need. And here is the hands of Christ. Here is something that's making such a profound difference in the world. That's abiding in Christ. That is being his child and knowing him. So will you do that? Will we do that? Our priorities speak more to our faith than our words. I prioritize what I care about. I prioritize what I believe. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is the day you can do that. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is the promise of promises. It is the greatest hope for mankind. And it is offered as a gift to every single one of us. If you haven't received that gift, I would encourage you not to wait. Today is the day of salvation. Do not put it off. If you have made that decision and you're living for Christ, make a connection plan. Right now, later today, make a connection plan. I'm committing my priorities to be at a worship service. My priority is to have a daily devotion. I'm going to get involved in the church life, and I'm going to get involved in where God's leading me to ministry. And then I would encourage you to do the the, the thing that nails it in. You know what nails commitments in? You tell someone about it. You tell someone about it. Hey, I made a commitment, and here's my commitment. Hold me to it. Because there's going to be times I don't want to do it, and, and I may not be as motivated tomorrow as I am right now. You need to tell someone. You need accountability. I need accountability. So that's, that's how we abide with the Lord. Do you want to abide with him? Do you want to be connected to 